Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. Once again, I am Andy Stewart, a man alone. And for what I hope will be the last time for a little while, I'm Mitch Bain and I'm in the walls. Yeah, this is becoming a nasty habit, Mitch, and to be quite honest, I don't like it one jot. Three in a row, I know, it's unacceptable, but I can guarantee you have my word, normal service will resume next week. Fine. (laughs) <laughs> how are you come on talk to me i'm okay i'm okay thanks i'm getting over a little bit of a cold uh, i met my brand new niece for the first time yesterday so congratulations oh, to my brother graham and his wife natalie um Lovely. i'm okay gonna come straight out of the gate and say this though mitch um i've had an extremely busy week for one uh, reason or another so i haven't mm-hmm. really watched anything that's okay i have a couple of things that i can get to I am fine too, by the way. Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> I was getting to that. No, you're so I am, needy. <laughs> I really am. Constant validation. Uh, yeah, I am fine. I am kind of actually getting the beginnings of a cold of some kind, I think, because you may or may not be able to hear. I've seen a couple of things this week. I'm not going to talk about it for too long because you've kind of already talked about it at reasonable length. But um, I did start watching Stranger Things 3. Ah, excellent. I uh, got the first couple under my belt uh, this week. I had um, a night, a rare night of doing absolutely nothing on Monday and watched a couple then. So far, I'm kind of exactly the same as you were at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, like, I'm I'm very much kind of back on board after being a little bit cold in the second series. I think it's it set itself really, really nicely. Um, the only thing that I think is a little bit weird is, do you find that you know Hopper? Yeah, David Harbour's character. Sure. Um, I kind of find him to be a little bit caricature now. Um, there is a bit of that throughout the series. Various characters. Yeah, he's. I think that like um, he was always kind of a little bit kind of awkward when he when it came to like looking after the kids and stuff like that. But he's kind of like a little bit of a caricature loudmouth now. <laughs> Stick with it. Stick with it. I'd be keen to know what you make of it when all's said and done. Absolutely. Well, I'm I, I um like a lot. I'm a long-standing big fan of Stranger Things, so I'm definitely um sticking with it. I really like. I say I generally overall that's my only real gripe so far. Generally, I really kind of like where it's pointed and where it seems to be headed. So updates to follow as I work my way through that. However, my big one this week was on, I mentioned it last week, but on Thursday, me and my mate Mikey went to the Everyman in Glasgow and saw a double bill of It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2. Right, excellent, okay. So I want to preface this by saying that I love It Chapter 1. Yeah. But I think I think it's I think it's great. I think that um I've got kind of grapes with it that I was pretty forgiving of because I think that it's really effective, it's really scary, it's really funny when it needs to be. It's got the usual Andy Machete slight over-reliance on CGI for my tastes, but also the film costs like $35 million. I understand that's the film they're making, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. It Chapter 2. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, I, people are being really enthused about this, and that's great. I'm really glad that people are having a good time with it. I really struggled with it. Let's get into it then. What's the... What, talk me through it. What's your, what's your problem? Okay, so uh, for one thing, I think that it is extremely bloated. Two hours, 45 minutes, it does feel its length. Right, okay. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's I think that there's a, a decent amount of waste in there to be honest. Performance wise, everyone is pretty good. But remember ages ago when this got cast and we talked about it, and I kind of had a little bit of a concern about casting name actors and how that might be distracting. Sure, it is. <laughs> right. Um, uh, James McAvoy's here. He's doing fine work. I think he's pretty good. Jessica Chastain is also here, obviously as the grown-up version of Beverly Marsh. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she almost completely neutralizes the good work that uh, Sophia Lillis does as oh, the wow. young Beverly. Like I, I think that like um, a lot of what makes that character interesting is kind of nowhere to be found in her scenes. People are going crazy about Bill Hader. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And he is really, really good. I think that um, there's a couple of kind of plot elements that I have in good authority are not from the book that they've added in that I think are good choices. And the way he kind of handles those is really good. But I do think that the whole he needs to be in the Oscars conversation thing is a little bit of that classic conventionally comedy actor acts in a role where he cries and shouts a bit and then everybody gets really excited about it. <laughs> sure, I, yeah. I think that there's a slight element of that to that kind of discourse for my liking. Um, but that, that that could be just me. That was my first impression of it. However, James Ransone is here. Yeah. From Sinister and Sinister 2 and Old Boy, the new Old Boy. Um, and he plays the grown-up Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And where I, where I think that nobody else in this film is necessarily doing anything wrong performance-wise, as in, like, you know, like it's they're not no, noticeably bad in any way. I think that James Ransone's the only one who I think is really going for it in terms of mirroring the kind of mannerisms and the behaviours of his younger counterpart. Right. To me, that's important. Aye. Yeah. Um, I think he's the MVP in this one. Right. right. Uh, so he's, not he's the top pick for me. He's the one that I, th- I think people should talk about. Oh, I think Bill Hader's really good in this, but I think that for me, I think that the best performance, the performance that draws, draws your eye the most is James Ransone's. Okay. Also, yeah, I think that like a reliance on CGI in the first film becomes an over-reliance on CGI in the second film. I think it's it's really distracting. It takes the air out of a lot of the set pieces. On that subject, a lot of the set pieces just don't really land for me. Uh, the ones that do are great. It's right. occasionally scary, but not scary enough. And I would say like around about the last four or five minutes, I think are we feel really, really, fu- really fatty. Right. It was one of those things that I came out of and I wanted to be really enthusiastic about, as did uh, um, a friend that I went to see it with. We both really loved the first one. We went to see that together. And we kind of made a point that we were going to go see this one together. Um, and we came out, we were both like, oh, mm, that didn't quite land the same way. A few of these things didn't quite work. And the more that we talked about it, the more I realized that I just didn't like it. Right. Okay. So, I, I, I did say to you when I saw at chapter one that i found at chapter one to be a little bit cg heavy yeah and yeah I, I, th- I think that i think that's i think that's a wind that andy machete often sails kind of close to and i can understand you thinking he was on the wrong side of it in the first one as well mm-hmm. so that that's concerning to me i am fairly convinced that you won't like it much the film overall i'm, I'm curious to know what you think of it but i would say i guess i would say that it's not going to tick many of the andy stewart boxes oh dear but Time will tell. So yeah, um, I would say, yeah, it's chapter two. It's obviously, it's cool that there's a big horror film in cinemas and it's going to make a ton of money and that's great. But yeah, it didn't do it for me. Um, in a situation where I went in very ready and very up for loving it. Uh, I'm guessing Bill Skarsgård's still doing decent work as Pennywise. Yeah, um, he's really, really good. Uh, I think that, uh, again, there's too much CG in a lot of his scenes as well. Um, that I think is kind of distracting from the fact that he is really scary. There's one scene in this, not to give too much away, but there is a scene in this where he starts as having no Pennywise makeup on. Right. Mm-hmm. And kind of evolves into it um, in this really kind of grotesque way. And it's possibly the scariest moment in either of the two films. 
Okay, okay, cool. But I think I think that half the reason that that works as well as it does is because it's so minimal compared to how brash the visuals are and so much of the rest of it. <laughs> but yeah, so look out for that. But yeah, it chapter two is maybe a five out of ten where I find the first one to be like a solid kind of eight. Wow. I'd be, I would be very curious to know what uh, the listeners think of this one, actually. Because I know that I am very much kind of on an island with this. People seem to be way more into it than me. I don't know. I've seen a few dissenting voices coming through on social media in the past few days. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, certainly straight out the gate, there was a lot of really enthusiastic clapping and cheering for it. But lately, I've seen a few more people coming out and saying, no, hang on, put the brakes on this a little bit. That's, that's not that great. Um, yourself included. <clears throat> But uh, yeah. a lot of other kind of horror websites and stuff have been banging the Hodger Horses <laughs> drum. Yeah, that, that is that is also my drum of choice. Yeah, yeah, which is a shame. But uh, there you go. But yeah, that's the main that's the main crux of my viewing this week. I don't know what I'm going to try and get to this week, but uh, yeah, I'll try and get uh, try and get some more stuff this week. However, I did make one more thing uh, yeah. this past week. Yeah, just quickly before I get to that, I do just want to say I always found that the kids part of it is far more effective than the adult part anyway. I now think that there are two versions of the story that don't survive the chronology jump. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I would absolutely because I think that that's true of the first one as well. Yeah, the kids, are, the kids are still great in this, by the way. Everyone, everyone that excelled in the first one continues to. I think that the kids are exceptionally well cast across the board, and uh, Finn Wolfhard's hilarious. And there's also actually that's one last thing. The first one was funny because the dialogue between the kids was funny, mm-hmm. so it was funny when it needed to be. This almost starts playing out like Evil Dead 2 in right. bits, in that like I think the set pieces are quite silly at times, but also it's this one like the first one was funny because the dialogue was natural and it was naturally funny. This one I think tries to be funny by writing jokes. Ah, right, okay. And that's and that's absolute night and day in terms of how those actually pan out. But yeah, that's it for this week with one obvious exception. <laughs> This list is disappearing from view. I'm quite excited about it. Um, I continued my John Carpenter education this week. What's the fog? Oh, okay. What did you make of it? I had a grand old time with the fog, almost inevitably. Yes. But I actually really love about the first half hour of this, especially. I mean, like, where it goes eventually is still great. But I had it on in the background when I was doing some other things this week. I was, like, packing to go home and stuff like that. And I, and I was just like, oh, I'll just get this watch while I'm doing this. And after about a quarter of an hour, I was like, nope, I'm just watching this. <laughs> like, everything else can wait. Uh, yeah, no, I thought it was great. So, yeah, hurtling on towards the end of the Shopways 100. At the absolute most, assuming I do one per week, it should be done by around about the end of the year. But who knows? I might, I might be able to do more than that. I've got a quieter Q4 of 2019. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> 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 might have a little bit more time on my hands, who could say. But yep, The Fog, it's great. Obviously it is. I'm not going to bend anyone's ear too much about that in 2019, as usual. But yep, it was great. Thank you for that, Mitch. What have they been singing? Uh, it's feedback time, and we have had a whole load this week. That was quite a lot. The vast majority of you showing up for The Ghost in the Darkness. Yeah, yeah, very few dissent voices there. Yeah, and a lot of people just in general getting in touch with their opinions on this one. So big thank you, obviously, to Death of a Vlogger director Graham Hughes for uh, stepping in and uh, picking that one. And a really, really fun chat as well. Literally stepping in to HQ. Yeah, which is always nice too. Really like that. Uh, yeah, no, that was a great time. And it was really nice to hear him talk about his film as well. Uh, he can come back anytime, in my estimation. Oh, okay. The open invitation, is it? Ah, I'll say. Yes, definitely. So, uh, salt our popcorn first then on Twitter. Another great episode of Strong Violent PC this week. The Ghost in the Darkness was a good choice too. An actually decent-ish movie with plenty still there to poke fun at. Love Andy stuff taking a risk once again as he attempts to drop some science knowledge. I didn't doubt the credibility of your science knowledge, Andy. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I did as I was delivering it, and during the edit, <laughs> when I was editing it, I was like, I sound like a fucking idiot. <laughs> you notice I didn't edit it out, though, like, to save my blushes. I left the fact that I don't really know what I'm talking about. And But I did revisit the article, and there's much more in there than I managed to get across, as you would imagine. There's stuff about... I did have a feeling. Yeah, there's stuff about isotopes. Uh, isotopes. Isotopes, Mitch. The baseball team in The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> the very same. Also in the Ghost in the Darkness, we had um, Andy McEwen on Twitter getting in touch, uh, saying best episode ever. Wow. Bold. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, you got anything on Ghost in the Darkness? Yeah, quite a lot. I'm just going to rattle through kind of five quick fire ones here. This is just people weighing in with their opinions on the Ghost in the Darkness. Starting okay. with Andrew Barron on Facebook saying Jaws with Paws. Always an <laughs> underrated film. This one should be a good episode. The bold Paddy Murphy, previous guest, getting in touch to say, love this movie, looking forward to this episode. Mm-hmm. John Paul Fitch, uh, getting in touch to say, this is a very good film, I remember it with fondness. Incredibly formal. Rather. Th- that yeah. one, yeah. A um, couple of other previous guests weighing in as well. Justin McConnell, saying, this movie needs no defending, but still an excellent choice. And Matt Mercer. Hey. Show regular, getting in touch to say, outstanding film. Mm. People really do love this film. Andre Martin's uh, uh, Caller Han on Twitter got in touch as well, just saying, remember loving this as a teen, should rewatch it then, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, yeah, a real, uh, a, a massive reserve of love for uh, for this film. I've got some more. Um, Stevie, oh, God, film fan Stevie getting in touch saying, almost forgot it's Friday, time for strong, violent PC and a coffee at his second home, the Cousin Soho, as you would imagine. Oh, good. Upon listening to the episode, he returned to let us know that the line that you said, Mitch, where you dropped off the I'm only three days away from retirement line, has just finished him off at the Cousins of <laughs> And a gift, a gift from Goodfellas of really ought to have a smashing time. Ah, lovely, lovely. Yeah. Um, is that your lot on uh, Ghost in the Darkness? You got any more? I can confirm I have nothing else on the Ghost in the Darkness. Okay, in that case, I can um, shuffle back uh, one to Hellbent. Yeah. Uh, the episode that we did with uh, Nicholas Vince. Uh, on Instagram this week, after we had posted the episode, we got a message or a comment from a doghead dog on Instagram, which is Hellbent director Paul Etheridge. <laughs> when I woke up in the morning and I saw that this had come through, and there was a real kind of trepidation. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, but no such reason to worry. He said, a great episode. I laughed throughout, especially at your reactions to my loopier directing choices. <laughs> N- <laughs> Nicholas J. Vince is a perfect guest, not only because he chose Hellbent as his movie. I agree. That was a really, really fun chat. It was really lovely time and i'm really glad as well that uh paul kind of took the kind of humor and the kind of jabs he made at the film in the kind of spirit it was intended as well which is always nice yeah because as we've learned recently mitch not every director likes what we say that's true on this show uh, yeah mm-hmm. so uh yeah so it, it was it was it was good to hear him kind of like uh, tuning in being kind of a sport about that yeah yeah definitely i've got something on hellbent too hellbent too hellbent <laughs> Dave Cooper at Deluxe underscore man getting in touch to say just Ah, finished the Hellbent episode great conversation that got a little bit sexy Mm -hmm. did it? (laughs) as soon as I said I was like well did it? Ah, who knows we'll definitely keep an eye out should I find it Uh, I I mean it is out there there are DVDs of it flying around Um, I think you Mm -hmm. can find it on eBay and stuff like that Uh, also uh, just on that point uh, Caitlin Scared Sheepless on Twitter uh, she got in touch she'd been looking for it she said good news found Hellbent £3.79 well spent loved hearing Nicholas Vince being so joyful about it on Strong Violent PC and looking forward to seeing it I don't imagine Nick being anything less than joyful in any situation ever yeah 
Yeah, he's a very upbeat man. He is, he is. Yeah, <laughs> we need more of them in the world. Moving away, I was going to say moving away from Hellbent, unless... I don't have anything else anymore. on No, I don't. Nothing else on Hellbent. Okay. Um, one of my favourite tweets that we had this week wasn't about a particular film, but it was uh, Andrew Marshall, uh, um, semi-pro geek, got in touch and said, Vignette Stonemoss, Rycroft Philistrate, Tourmaline Larue, Sophie Longerbane, Pity Breakspear, Ezra Spurnose, <laughs> Nigel Weintraut. Character names in Carnival Row sound like they're made up for a round of Mitch's pitches. They definitely do. They very much <laughs> do. Those are singularly absolutely preposterous. <laughs> Almost necessitates a watch of it, but I'm not yeah. convinced I can tolerate Orlando Bloom. Uh, absolutely across the board, just drivel. Andrew, thank you very much for getting in touch. Hope you're enjoying Carnival Row, but also thank you for making that connection. That's really funny. <laughs> I've got a couple of other things here. Um, there are monsters. Oh, hello. Laura at Bynan LV getting in touch to say, just catching up with Strong Violent PC. Uh, there are monsters episode. Well, there were. In the end, I liked it. The diner scene pushed oh. it into a good place, but the end was mishandled to being confusing, I thought. Worth a look, though. Thumb up. Excellent. Thumb Excellent. Up. I'm, really gl- I'm, I'm really glad that a couple of people uh, have got back in touch and said that they find some stuff to like in that film. Because, I, like, I, 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 as I may have mentioned once or twice, I, I'm quite a fan of it. Um, I've got another thing here, by the way, just uh, Anaconda 2. Anacondas, I should say. Mm, yes, um, yes, coming yes. in from James Plum at Mad Science Films. Despite strong violent PC on Anacondas, I had zero interest in seeing the film until bizarrely it turned up in the holiday cottage I was staying in. Let's take a moment to mourn the poor people who paid fourteen ninety nine for this film. And he's, he's sent a photo along, and, and the reason we know that it was fourteen ninety nine is that Morrison's, uh, the UK supermarket chain, at one point had the bare-faced cheek to charge people fourteen ninety nine for this. And the reason we know is that the sticker is still on the box. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's an absolute bloody outrage. That's three and a half grand in today's money. <laughs> <laughs> Good spot, James. Thanks for getting in touch about that. That's great. Um, but did um, he watch wanted... it? That is the question. Did he watch it, James? Oh. Let us know. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah, uh, tight-lipped on that point. Yeah, come on, James. Tell us. Tell us <laughs> in. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, the ageless film fan, Stevie, at this point, who uh, tweeted this week after you spoke at reasonable length last week about The Dark Crystal. Yeah. Uh, the new Netflix adaptation of The Dark Crystal. Uh, he got in touch and said, Love that everyone's chatting about and watching The Dark Crystal. Just a shame it makes me feel so old as I watched it in the cinema when the film came out in 1982. He's such a fucking vampire. He's such a vampire. I would like I would put Stevie at about four years old. I was like, how old are you? <laughs> Explain yourself. Uh, I, think that, I think that Stevie is just, uh, he's looked the same for like, 400 years yeah i think stevie actually uses the kind of rejuvenation serum that uh, the, the dark crystal forces out of the podlings <laughs> stevie confirm or deny yeah and if it's not that tell us your secrets yeah yeah i, I want to know your skincare regimen because i'm getting older my eyes are getting wrinklier my skin is getting less and less elastic uh to the point yeah. where i will literally look like a scrotum in the next five years <laughs> You know, like when you, you know, like when a balloon's been hung up for ages and it kind of starts to deflate of its own accord, and it gets that kind of scrotal look like around three, it. Like three days after her fortieth birthday party. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, that's kind of the way I feel. That not just my face, but my body in general is going. Right. Uh, yeah. Except for yeah, my scrotum, I, 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 which is strangely smoothing out. Which is curiously ageless. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, another feeling. I spent a, a portion of yesterday in an animal sanctuary. Uh, <laughs> just uh, and I spent quite a lot of time uh, kneeling down to like pet a goat or pet a cat or something, uh, and standing back up again and having to do that at regular intervals for like an hour. By the time we got back to the car, I was like, ah. Was it only goats and cats? No, no, no. There was all sorts here. I went to the Willows Animal Sanctuary up north, and um, I saw there cows, sure. uh, ra- rabbits, donkeys, cats, butterflies, pigs. Did you goats. push the donkey in front of a lion to save yourself? <laughs> there weren't any lions, thankfully. Pff, lame. I did not. Uh, uh, I did notice though that you were uh, you you were quite regular in your updates to myself and Graham Hughes about the various owls and uh, birds of prey that you were seeing. Well, there were owls there, yeah. So I thought that after uh, after my terrifying encounters with owls during my watching of the Ghost in the Darkness, I thought that you might want to know. And you didn't find them tr- like a triggering presence? Yes, I absolutely did. So I find them absolutely horrifying. <laughs> now, in all fairness, I've never seen an owl up close before. They are they're amazing. They're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. Yeah, they're really cool. <laughs> like I mean, more than just spinny headed cunts, as you refer to them. Yes, and I stand by that. Oh man, that I think is my lot for feedback. Do you have anything else? Uh, uh, nothing on feedback, but I do want to say to folks that there is a new design up in our tea public store. <laughs> there certainly is. Um, obviously, quite often on the show, uh, pretty much any time that any kind of primate is mentioned, I will remind you that primates are very scary. Whether it's chimps, whether it's baboons, uh, they will eat your face and genitals. And uh, in respect of that. There is now a Not The Face baboon t-shirt available in our tea public store. Check it out. Uh, various colours. And uh, snatch one up. And uh, yeah. protect your nuts. <laughs> Christ alive. <laughs> yep. Um, yes, that is, uh, that's worth mentioning though. Yeah, so um, another design on the pile at the old tea public store. So yeah, head along and check that out. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that only leaves... It is, once again, time for Mitch's Pitches. So, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone, which will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title, the tagline, any identifying text. He will leave only the image. My job will be to describe the image to the best of my ability and, where possible, give it both a title and a synopsis. Now, last week we had Intruder, I believe. We did, yes, yes. Well remembered. I think that's one of the maybe the first time you've done that. Uh, yeah, I don't know why this time uh, I remembered, but um, uh, and I reappropriated that as 1992's Nightmare Cashier Three Seven Minutes in Hell. Um, <laughs> Inevitably, we uh, put this out to the listeners to uh, do some pitching of their own. Uh, as ever, people were not letting us down. So, first off, we had, uh, <laughs> had um, Alexis Cosmic Regal. Yeah. Uh, okay, Gerhard Nightcreeper is the host of the daytime <laughs> food quiz show. During the quickfire petit déjeuner section, a wild contestant's bri- brioche is misfired into Gerhard's head, causing a sudden relapse into his evil alter ego, Atom Ben Chinstrap. <laughs> Suddenly, Aiden lunges at the contestants and TV crew with a handful of weak-old sourdough bread and hacks off limbs left, right, and center. He takes the limbs to the delicatessen and opens the store and awaits his next victims. It's 1987's Supermarché Creep, um, which is the first of many Dale Winton references that are about to come your way. Oh, <laughs> Supermarket Sweep's coming back with Rylan Quinn. 
Uh, yeah, actually, I saw that. Yeah, um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if it should be touched. There's nothing sacred, Andy. If you don't have a deal, prepare to fail. <laughs> oh my god! Um, in a very similar vein, actually, uh, Hanny underscore Ray got in touch. Uh, supermarket creep, the the mystery meat at the local supermarket deli counter, and maybe more familiar than the local shoppers think. Uh, that sounds like one of those two sounds like the asylum knockoff version of the other. <laughs> Uh, scared Seepless, uh, sinister supermarket shocks abound in 1976's low-budget, high-value, A Little Slice of Death. <laughs> <laughs> when Tony starts his new job in a supermarket, he finds himself under the guidance of grizzled manager Packer Bag. Brilliant. Packer has a low tolerance for difficult customers and a deli counter that's the envy of all other stores. Could Packer be slicing up coupon chancers, fruit fondlers, and slow-walking staff <laughs> <laughs> to provide the best meats? It's up to Tony to find out and try and check out before Packer needs a new badge. I like, I like that. that I like that, I like a, that lot. a lot. Yeah, does, yeah, does the think... surname bag have two Gs? Uh, no, it doesn't. But ah. I think kind of dead. That's a good idea. That's a mess. Uh, Kevin Matthews, mild-mannered supermarket cashier Avery Little Helps, has been the butt of customer <laughs> abuse for many years. But this is the weekend. He snaps. He'll keep everyone in line in the 1993 slasher classic, 12 Items Are Dead. <laughs> Features a fun cameo role from Dale Winton, who delivers the great dialogue. Just remember, next time, when you hear the beep, think of the fear you could be feeling when reduced to a bloody heap. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. On Instagram, uh, now regular pitcher CP Buckley mm-hmm. gets in touch. When Soup Kitchen volunteer Chip Chipman sees his old school bully and local hero Ben Doverman open a new grocery store in town, he becomes suspicious after several local homeless people go missing. Chip starts to think Ben is killing them for his discount meat section, but no one believes him. When his own sister goes missing, Chip must race to prove Ben is a killer. But when he discovers strange demonic symbols on the meat and in Doverman's home, he may have more of a fight on his hands. It's the summer 1986 classic, The Grocery Store. <laughs> I don't, again, CP, just pitching something that I would watch the living hell out of. Constant. Uh, uh, it's a 100% success rate so far on things that sound excellent. Sound like, I sound like things I would definitely watch. Yeah, I, I, that was great. Tony Constantinou. Sure. When local supermarket security guard Roy Crunch unwittingly stumbles upon an occult shrine to a long-forgotten TV host in the alcohol aisle, he quickly <laughs> discovers that the shop was built upon the hallowed set of a cancelled semi-popular mid-afternoon game show. Now his desperate ITV boss, Roderick Function, begins to enact his <laughs> heinous plan to resurrect his once lucrative cash cow in order to reclaim his birthright and improve declining afternoon ratings. Crunch must supermarket sweep up this nightmare before it truly begins in Beers, Shrines and Spirits, the deadly revenge of Dale Winton, celebrity game show ghost. <laughs> it's crunch time for Roy as all Dale is about to break loose. Brilliant. Um, and finally, Chris Salt at Oblong Pictures. Tony missed a trick there, not having like uh, he went on a killing spree. Tony never normally misses these. <laughs> Chris Salt and Oblong Pictures on Twitter uh, wrapping things up this week. As a chubby young lad in Brightvale, USA, little Valdemar Pryor was traumatized at his birthday party when the big kids forced him to eat a ton of sausage rolls and volivants and whatnot for a laugh. <laughs> Suffering from pastry-induced mania, he went on a destructive rampage and was committed to the Fulbright home for confused boys. 25 years on, Val's back out and holding down a steady job stacking shelves at the local quick buy until one night, alone in the store after hours, he finds himself in the baked goods aisle and the memories come flooding back. Now he's decided it's time to have some old friends over for dinner in 1989's Val Pryor the Buffet Slayer. Very clever. 
so, right, wow, okay. Best character this week, uh, I'm going to give to Gerhard Night Creeper. From Alexis's one? Yeah, okay, that's fine. And the best pitch, I think, has to go to Kevin. <laughs> I really like that one too. That's a fair win. Uh, so that's 12 items are dead. Yeah, but I think it was yeah. more for the uh, Dale Winton quote. Just remember, next time when you hear the beep, think of the fear you could be feeling when reduced to a bloody heap. Exactly that. Yes, very good indeed. Kevin and Alexis, big well done to both of you. You have both won a whole lot of nothing. Yes, I'm really jealous actually because this week's delivery of nothing was one of the best. It's one of my favourites as well. Yeah, yeah, I almost kept it for myself. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, sometimes we should. We should just treat ourselves. You know what, it couldn't hurt sometimes, I agree. However, to business. Yeah. uh, What you got for me this week? Uh, Okay, you are about to find out now. Good God, where's the rest of that woman? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yes, it's here. Um, Okay, so uh, the background of the image is split at a roughly 60-40% split. Oh my God. Vertically. (laughs) The uh, top being pale blue and the bottom being a kind of beige or off-white color. Um, The border on the top half is a uh, black trim. Uh, or a kind of black frame with a white trim and uh, the bottom half has no border whatsoever. So at the kind of midpoint in the image we have a woman who is upside down. We can only see her from kind of like upper torso uh, up but yeah she's upside down in a state of some distress for sure. She's blonde. She is reaching towards the camera and screaming. The reason that she is screaming it would appear is that she is being either attacked or molested by a snake-headed monster. The uh, he's like kind of like looking at her in a kind of like very angry demonic kind of way he has what appears to be kind of a very very uh, kind of bushy eyebrows and a kind of half gondolier half Marx Brothers moustache and a beard and uh, some very sharp teeth and also uh, a small other point uh, his head is made entirely of snakes um, and kind of demonic creatures of various persuasions because uh, I'm just looking around here and I'm realizing that they're not all snakes some of them have kind of like almost like dragon heads some other kind of uh, fairly kind of uh, hellish demonic looking creatures um, I really like the guy at the top who uh, the guy at the top kind of looks like the slow-witted sidekick of all the others of all the others <laughs> everybody else looks raging that guy just looks like he's kind of queuing for something and that's about it I think really uh, I don't think that I've missed anything of uh, crucial importance there no basically basically a voluptuous blonde woman being attacked by snake-headed entity yeah, yeah. or snake-haired entity Cool. Yeah. Is the uh, is the kind of is the kind of is the kind of bullet points of that one. Uh, okay, I'll need a moment. Sure. Yeah, right though. He does have extremely bushy eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I I I almost missed that. Thank God I didn't. I only have uh, one and a half eyebrows. Don't know if you've ever noticed that about me. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, they are. I'm actually looking at a picture of you right now uh, on the Skype thing. Uh, they are slightly asymmetrical. What happened there? Uh, one of them was accidentally shaved one day, and it never quite grew back. Really? Yeah, and then since then, uh, whenever I'm nervous, I pick at it. So further exacerbating the issue. Oh, well, God, kind of that. Yeah. Uh, how are we getting on? <coughs> um, yeah, yeah, I got it. You don't sound confident. No, I, 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 yeah, I think I think I got there. I mean, I, I mean, like I'm, I, I'm reaching for, I'm reaching. I'll, I'll admit that, right? But, um, <laughs> but you know, this is a time sensitive thing. You can't, you can't produce magic all the time. Right? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, on you go. <laughs> okay, here we go. Aspiring catwalk model Mariana Clothes Horse is sure that she has what it takes <laughs> to survive in the cutthroat modeling industry, but breaks are hard to come by. 
Desperate, she somewhat inevitably makes a deal with a travelling shaman who offers her fame, success and riches as long as her morality is maintained. However, as Mariana is seduced by the hedonistic lifestyle that so often comes with success, she goes back on her word and disappears down a rabbit hole of drugs, alcohol, premarital sex, and colourful language. Okay. Now the demon from the first two films returns in his terrifying final form, and Mariana must figure out how to break the curse and free herself from her personal demons in the process. Blood, guts, and wildly unnecessary moralising abound in the curse of Snakefish 3, Boa to be a star. <laughs> You continue down this road, are you? Casually making a franchise out of the Curse of Snakefist. Yeah. So anything, anything pretty much, we could just set it in stone now that just about any time I send you anything with a snake in it, it's going to be part of the continuing saga, yes? Yes, although this is a little bit Anaconda's Hunt for the Blood Orchid and the fact that I made it a Revenge of Snakefist film with only Apache recollection of the first two ones, so I made it absolutely not connected whatsoever <laughs> to the first two. So it's definitely like, it's one of those ones where uh, it's, you're kind of, you're trying to get franchise potential when it's just not there. <laughs> uh, so what's the reality of this? Come on. What year did you say? Uh, I actually didn't give a year on this one, so I, I'll say I'm actually I'm gonna have to say something like 1998 because these need to be in chronological order, and I can't remember when the Curse of Snakefish Two was. Sure. Uh, well, it was 1970, <laughs> is what I can tell you, and the film okay. was one of many um, retellings of H.P. Lovecraft's The Dunwich Horror. The Dunwich Horror. Okay, uh, I'm gonna show my ignorance here once again. Uh, what is that? Well, coming in this week from synopsisizer Lieutenant Ricardo. Excellent. Okay, good. <laughs> this one's actually really funny. Okay. Dr. Henry Armitage, Sandra D, and another girl who wasn't in the book. <laughs> okay. Visit the library of the Miskatonic University where they are studying and find a mysterious young man named Wilbur Watley trying to borrow the Necronomicon. To non-HPL fans, that's a book containing ancient rites to bring alien gods to our planet. And uh, as it is a public library, they let him. <laughs> Amazing. It's how the game's played, right enough. Yep. Sandra D offers to drive the mustachioed warlock <laughs> back to his home in Dunwich, where he drugs her and makes her stay to be a part in his evil ceremonies. Oh my god. <sighs> there you go. That's my favourite synopsis that we've ever had. What was his name again? Uh, Lieutenant Ricardo. Lieutenant Ricardo. We need to find more of his. That was fantastic. <laughs> I... I like the fact he was desperate for you to know that he'd read the book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, I think the fact that he even uh, abbreviated H.P. Lovecraft to just HPL. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that. That's, yeah, so it suggests there's a bit of camaraderie going on between the two of them. Um, <laughs> and no, it's not uh, good. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I uh, preempt to be on that one. That image is now everywhere. That so is now obviously. Everywhere. Uh, we would be looking for you to get in touch and get pitching yourselves. Yeah, uh, because you are much better at this than me. Yep, I, uh, I, I, would, I, I for one would like that. I'd like to see what you what you people make of this. Yeah, I think well, let's get that up there and uh, let's see what people say. So yeah, by the time this airs, that'll be out there. So a uh, quick look then at what is coming to the streaming platforms this week. Amazon Prime lagging as usual, but like sure. um, but the rest of them have a couple of things that I think are worth a mention. Oh, one thing I did notice that you missed. Oh, yeah? Darren Aronofsky's Mother has been added to Netflix. Oh, yeah, it has, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I really don't like that film, but uh, yes, it's there. I saw that, actually. I saw that. that you can't just put things up that you like or are interested in. No, I I, I missed it. Like, um, I, I, didn't, I didn't deliberately leave it out because I think it's terrible. Um, which I might... <laughs> 
Uh, which I might have done with one of the things this week, but um, which uh, on Sky this week on the 13th of September, uh, Shane Black's Predator is there. Also, I think that it's actually today, I think that they are getting also Killer Weekend, which I think was a Fright Fest selection from last year. Right. So that's your kind of main horror highlights on Sky and Now TV this week. Uh, Netflix on the 13th, we've got Marianne. Right. Um, a horror writer is led back to her hometown where she finds that the spirit that wreaked havoc in her dreams is now doing the same in the real world. Yeah. Shudder. They have a surprise film coming on the 12th, uh, which is kind of interesting. And uh, on Monday, they have a selection from Cellulite Screams 2018 that I cannot recommend enough. Now, I might have mentioned last week, I think, that there was something coming this week that I was really looking forward to talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's Natalia Leiter's MFA. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's hitting Shudder uh, on Monday. So that's there now. Um, as this airs um, I think this is great I really really enjoyed it I've been looking forward to having a chance to watch it again uh, the synopsis there via IMDB is an art student taps into a rich source of creative inspiration after the accidental slaughter of her rapist an unlikely vigilante emerges set out to avenge college girls whose attackers walked free did you see it it's like yeah yeah did you like it yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a tough watch but it's great so yeah that's my pick of the week I would say just want to touch quickly on a couple of things I've seen coming out of festivals. First, I saw that Joker, uh, we talked about it last week, uh, I saw that Joker won the top award at the Venice Film Festival. Did it? Yeah, it won the, okay. uh, it won the Golden Lion or whatever it's called. <laughs> the Golden Gondola. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. No. I think it is called the Golden Line. Yes, though. That, oh, that's interesting. I, I didn't hear that. No, that's 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 interesting news. The uh, that I get the impression like that the hype for this is going to be like almost uh, unbearable by the time it actually comes out. I mean, I'm 100% going to see it. Uh, if I need to strap my baby to my chest and go to one of those baby-friendly screenings, um, uh-huh, yeah. which I don't know if they'll do for Joker. <laughs> uh, um, I was going to say, like that, that would that would be a great one to retell in future for your child's first in cinema experience. <laughs> uh, but I'm definitely going to go and see it. Uh, also, uh, some cool stuff coming out of TIFF. I've noticed as well that uh, initial feedback certainly in relation to Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead's Synchronic looks excellent. Oh, hello. Yes, I'm really, I'm really excited about this. Yeah. Also, uh, a lot of love for Richard Stanley's The Color Out of Space, another HP Lovecraft adaptation. <clears throat> These are also both on high on my wish list for Sideloid Screams this year. Yeah, and the continuing love for The Lighthouse. Ah, oh, speaking of, yeah, that would be another one. That's that's doing London Film Festival this year, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, so synchronic. Yeah. And in fact, so is The Color Out of Space. Oh, cool, okay. Yeah, I've got, I've, I've kind of, uh, I've got Sideloid Screams aspirations for at least a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, Come on, but, Rob, yeah, don't let us down, Rob. Uh, we've actually got a lineup announcement coming for Sideloid Screams this week. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so Friday the 13th at noon... The uh, program is announced and the passes go on sale on Saturday the 14th. So uh, something else for us to maybe take a closer look at pretty soon. I also noticed that Mayhem put their lineup announcement out the other day as well. Um, Mayhem Also uh, looks really good. Yeah, I mean, they've got the colour out of space. They've got uh, Daniel Isn't Real. Uh, Why Don't You Just Die, I believe, from uh, Pride Fest. That was, uh, that was a big hit there. Um, also, I think in there they've got She Never Died. They do, yeah. They've also got uh, something else. Jeremy Gardner's new film. Yeah, for a minute there, they've got something else. It's like, yes, Andy, they do have other films. <laughs> <laughs> and Get All uh, on yeah. the Third Floor as well. Which is great. Get on the Third Floor is awesome. Uh, yeah, that lineup's really strong as well. Yes, uh, Mayhem's, Mayhem's killing it this year. Absolutely. So, turning our attentions to this week's show. Yeah. So, it's another in-person guest. Isn't that nice? It is, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you, Mitch, I'm going into this one with some trepidation. Well, our guest this week 
is uh, the man behind Be Quiet Media. He is, this is this is possibly just slightly incestuous and self-indulgent of us, but I think it's going to be really fun. Um, he is uh, the host and producer and writer of Scotland, the Scottish History Podcast, and is also the AV man for our live shows. <laughs> <laughs> and there is, uh, there is uh, we have done some podcast overlap in the past, uh, in so much as you score all the episodes of Scotland, and I have contributed my silky tones to uh, several episodes. Yes, yes. So, uh, Michael Park joins us this week. He does indeed, and I can't wait to see Michael, but I'd rather not watch the film that he's chosen again, because Uh, I think it's a gross misstep. But yeah, it's Paul W.S. Anderson's Resident Evil. Okay, I haven't seen this before. Have you not? No, and I better hurry the fuck up, because we're recording it tomorrow, so... (laughs) Have you ever played the games or anything like that, or...? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just hope that um, everybody takes as long to open doors in the film as they do in the game. It's really, uh, the film, actual runtime in the film is half an hour. The rest of it is incredibly slow, loading screens of doors opening and people going upstairs. <laughs> um, actually, do you know what? I would prefer that to what the film is. Okay, um, okay, this is this is going to be interesting. But it's going to make you want to go back and listen to a lot of music from round about this time because uh, there's like uh, My Plague by Slipknot and stuff and all that's on the soundtracks. So. Oh yeah, so uh, that'll get me through. If there's loads of if there's loads of metal and stuff on it from around that time, that'll uh, like like the film needs to be really terrible for that to not kind of be enough to kind of get me through at least kind of make it survivable. Yeah. So Resident Evil this week with Michael Park. How do you feel about that? There's loads of ways to get in touch if you want to chat to us about that or anything else we've talked about today. Facebook and Instagram at Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC or also email stronglanguagevioentscenes at gmail.com. Yep, and you can pop onto our website, Strong Violent Pod, where we have a contact form. You will also, on that website, find links to all the podcast providers that we would kind of heartily endorse. Uh, you will also find links to the tea Public, should you want to go and pick up one of those uh, ball-eaten baboon t-shirts. Um, and just, yeah, just check out the website. There's loads of stuff there, uh, all the information that you'll need, including any uh, upcoming live dates, which uh, may matter soon. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that page is empty, but not for long. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, check it out. And, of course, a big shout-out to our hosts and home at Podbean, carrying on doing great work, keeping on killing it, and never missing a release day. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much, Podbean, and thank you to you, the listener out there. Uh, we absolutely love you guys. We keep doing this. It's not for us. We do it for you. Yeah, that's kind of for us. They're very <laughs> ego-driven people, but we also do it for you. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks as always for listening. Tune in Friday when we're talking Resident Evil with Michael Park. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 